0: Now, this is a synopsis of the uh, Sunday morning service on June the 4th, 2006. The original taping of the service that morning uh, was unusable, and so uh, it has become necessary for me to give a synopsis in this kind of format. The subject, uh, Sunday morning, was uh, gone to meddling, and the scripture, the main scripture, verse that was used was from the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 Colossians 3 and 17 says and whatsoever ye do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him of course doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus does not mean simply saying in Jesus name Amen it means Everything that is said, everything that is done, that that should and must be done in the reality of the presence of the Lord Jesus, recognizing that He is present. Uh, His name is His reality, the reality of His person and of His presence. And so everything that is said and everything that is done, then, is done in the reality, the knowledge that He is present. The reality of his person and of his presence the subject um, that we selected that I selected on that Sunday morning was an unusual one it was simply the phrase gone to meddling gone to meddling and I introduced the old uh, story of course of the man who was in attendance in a Sunday morning service and enjoying the preaching immensely and he was punctuating the service with his amens and uh, in total agreement with the message until the minister got to some points of course that began to uh, touch this man in his own personal life and he of course uttered the the famous words now he stopped preaching and gone to meddling and so i suggested that perhaps some might construe the comments of the morning as meddling and so i called it uh, gone to meddling even though my uh, attitude of course in the presentation is not to meddle and not to disrespect uh, the decisions made by others but recognizing that it's time to speak plainly and uh, to speak clearly on matters that are before us and so therefore we use that rather unusual phrase as a subject for the morning service now the service was divided into separated into three parts I could say Part A, Part B and Part C Uh, Part A I could simply refer to it as the Wesleyan Revival Uh, Part B could uh, be summed up under the word moderation and Part C would be the excellent burger as in hamburger the excellent burger so first of all then Part A We recognized the great, uh, marvelous ministry of John Wesley, his brother Charles Wesley, the great uh, hymn writer. The ministry of John uh, Wesley spanning a period approaching now 300 years ago. His life spanned approximately 88 years, much of it in ministry. Out of the great uh, preaching and so on of John Wesley came the Wesleyan revival and the emergence of various Societies that John Wesley was responsible for forming small groups uh, known as societies or classes and In those uh, small groups there was a great emphasis on personal holiness and purity of heart and uh, Following his ministry and as a direct result of others who came out of his ministry there were the emergent. There was the emergence of holiness churches or holiness societies, named holiness because of the emphasis on personal uh, holiness and heart purity. There were, of course, uh, there were several scriptures that uh, were oft used within these societies, and I'll just name a couple. I'll just reference a couple of those passages. The first one that I might reference is first uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and it says what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have of God and ye are not your own now, this passage was quoted often that uh, your body is intended to be and is designed by God to be the temple uh, the house place in which uh, the Holy Ghost is privileged and invited to dwell and is pleased to dwell and that therefore we are not our own we do not uh, have exclusive ownership even to ourselves even to our own bodies and it goes on to say that we have been bought with a, a price another passage that was used often out of the following the great uh, Wesleyan revival and in the ministry of the holiness churches was a passage from uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 and it says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord and this was the emphasis of course on uh, personal heart purity and personal holiness apart from which no man could see the Lord and it didn't mean uh, that no one would see the Lord eventually on that final day but that Apart from this uh, personal holiness and heart purity, a person would not be in a position to recognize the presence of the Lord, to be able to see Him in terms of fellowship. Uh, The the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the communion of the Holy Spirit, would not be real to that person unless there was this holiness of life and heart purity. Now, two of the areas of course that followed and came out of these uh, the Wesleyan Revival uh, was a particular view with regard to the use of tobacco and uh, the use of alcoholic beverages and the view of course was very simple it was total abstaining position of being an abstainer and so they abstained completely from the use of alcoholic beverages and the use of tobacco and the reasons of course main reasons that they chose to abstain from these uh, from these substances number one would be health reasons and recognizing again that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and it should be treated in a very uh, sacred way and careful way so number one was health reason number two was the um, intoxicating effect especially of the alcoholic beverages that it tended by its very nature to in to intoxicate and to influence a person by way of intoxication the reason that this was such a obvious negative in the minds of those who came out of this great Wesleyan revival was that they recognized that we have been designed to be influenced by God by God's Spirit by God's Word we have been made and set apart to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, and not to be influenced in the way we speak, the way we act, the way we walk, the way we move, by some beverage that would intoxicate us. And so it was obvious to them, therefore, that intoxication, to be influenced by an alcoholic beverage, was inconsistent with the life of Christ. And the third reason that they taught and chose to abstain completely from the use of tobacco or alcoholic beverages was that these agents were addictive. They tended to towards addiction and to enslave. The uh, scriptures, of course, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, for example, where it says, Stand fast, therefore in the liberty uh, wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage this passage of course speaks to us about the wonderful gospel of Christ which makes men free men and uh, releases men and women from bondage from a yoke of bondage and so again stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage and it was obvious to those um, men and women those early believers who have preceded us it was obvious to them therefore that anything that would tend towards physical psychological emotional addiction that would tend to enslave was inconsistent and an enemy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ Also, when we read from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 61, the very first verse is instructive. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. This, of course, speaks about the very anointing upon the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the ministry of the Messiah, and how that his ministry is a ministry of liberation, the proclamation of liberty to captives, opening of prison doors to them that are bound. And so, in the light, and I stress this word, light, those who were strongly influenced uh, during and following as a consequence of the Wesleyan revival, the emerging of the holiness churches and their powerful ministry, what really characterized those ministries was uh, the word light. There was a light. And in that light, uh, it became very easy for them to see that the use of tobacco was something that the believers should abstain from very easy for them to see that the use of alcohol as a beverage anything that would tend to intoxicate to use that as a beverage anything that would tend towards addiction or enslavement to use that as a beverage was something that should be avoided at all costs, and they did avoid it I might say that we emphasized on the Sunday morning that uh, the very importance that uh, of the Of the spirit for example if one would become wise before anyone would become wise there must be a visitation of the spirit of wisdom in order to be granted and given insight into anything one must first of all be given a spirit of insight before understanding occurs one must receive a spirit of understanding before we experience the peace of God there is a spirit of peace there is a spirit of joy there is a spirit of knowledge before any of these things such as wisdom understanding peace joy knowledge before we experience any of these we must receive the visitation of the spirit of them first and this is light and it was this marvelous and wonderful light of course that characterized the ministry of these great uh, of the great Wesleyan revival. Now I have in front of me as an indication of the thinking of the individuals, of course, that came out of the Great Wesleyan revival and the formation of these societies. I have uh, in front of me, of course, some general rules from uh, that apply to one of those. Societies, and this uh, has to do with the use of alcoholic beverages. But, for example, uh, involving the use of uh, involving the membership into the societies, and I read from a publication from 1947 on again one of those holiness societies. It says there is only one condition previously previously required of those who desire admission into these societies quote a desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from their sins close quote but wherever this is really fixed in the soul it will be shown by its fruits it is therefore expected of all who continue therein that they should continue to evidence their desire of salvation and then there is a list of evidences now the Thinking in the logic, of course, is that uh, the only requirement for someone who would desire to be a member of this society, the only requirement is a desire to flee, to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from their sins. But then they recognized that where this is present in the life of an individual, that in that life where there is the desire to flee from the wrath to come, and to be saved from their sins, there is in that person's life certain fruit, certain proof, certain evidences of this condition of heart. And among the several evidences that are listed is this. Drunkenness. The buying or selling of spirit liquors or drinking them, unless in cases of supreme or, or extreme necessity. And so, of course, there was the recognition that the person who had a sincere desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be safe from their sins, that they also would evidence that by an avoidance of drunkenness and the avoidance of buying or selling of spirituous liquors or drinking them, unless it was a case of some extreme necessity. And then also in the same publication from 1947 there is another reference to the whole subject of temperance and it phrases phrases it as follows a spirit of self-denial is indispensable to Christian character a large proportion of the crime and pauperism of the country is caused by strong drink the spirit of Christ never leads one to countenance the use or sale of intoxicating liquor as a beverage it goes on to say the stewards on all our circuits shall make provision to use the unfermented juice of the grape in celebrating the Lord's Supper in no case shall intoxicating wine be used for this purpose and of course the reference is that the Spirit of Christ never leads one to countenance the use or the sale of intoxicating liquor as a beverage now were these men and women who were responsible for this kind of text were they more intelligent than all of us were they just prudish were they uninformed were they old-fashioned uh, I would submit to you that they were men and women who were experiencing a visitation of light they knew what it was to dwell in the light of God's presence and in the light of his presence all of these things became very very plain to them now many say and we hear this uh, often spoken today that uh, it's not the use the total abstinence from the alcohol that is uh, uh, required but uh, one must learn how to use these things in moderation that the Bible teaches Moderation—that's true. The Scriptures teach moderation. But the question is: then, uh, should a Christian—is a Christian? Uh, does a Christian have the right, or is it wise for the believer to use alcoholic beverages and use them in moderation? Is this something that is wise? I would uh, ask you to remember with me the um, rather. Bizarre and dangerous and deadly game of Russian roulette. You remember, Russian roulette was a practice where a revolver was opened, the uh, chambers were exposed, and uh, the cylinder was opened, and one bullet was placed in one of the six chambers. Then the cylinder, of course, would be twirled, and uh, without looking, of course. The, ch- the cylinder would be closed and the revolver pointed at someone's head, usually the holder, and the trigger would be pulled. And this game, of course, we remember and know, was a game of Russian roulette, the ultimate game of chance. Uh, would the one chamber that had the bullet in it, would it stop at the top and when the trigger was pulled, would it fire? Game of Russian roulette, deadly game. None of us, of course, would uh, countenance the use of Russian roulette in moderation. We would say that that would be uh, something that must be avoided. No sane person would ever practice such a bizarre and deadly uh, game of chance. But I would ask you to think with me about. Uh, Uh, A cylinder now that has not six chambers, but 13. And in this uh, cylinder, this hypothetical cylinder, I would uh, ask you to envision 13 chambers. And placing the bullet now in one of the 13 chambers. And would you play this game if it had 13 chambers? And the reason I use this uh, 13 chambers will become evident by some statistics that I want to present to you. In 2002, in in the United States of America, the Department of Health and Human Services, in 2002 they issued statistics uh, giving us the following, stating that in the entire population of the United States of America, that 8% of the population over the age of 12 would require at some time in their lifetime treatment for serious alcohol problems so that is 8% of the total population of the nation would require in their lifetime the total population over the age of 12 would require treatment during their lifetime for a serious alcohol problem now that 8% represents approximately one out of every 13 so this brings me back again to the one out of 13 chambers in the cylinder of a revolver And this means, of course, that one out of 13, not knowing which one it would be, would experience in their lifetime some kind of serious alcohol-related problem that would require treatment. There would be a dependency. And the reason for this, of course, is because it is the nature of alcohol to addict, not only to intoxicate and to influence by intoxication, but also to addict and through addiction to enslave. And one does not know who that person will be. Will that person be a member of your family? Would that person be one of your children? Would that person be one of your loved ones? Would that person be one of your grandchildren? Who would that person be? Uh, addiction is, is indiscriminate. Addiction picks and chooses without any sense of logic. Uh, No one can say with certainty, if they begin to consume an alcoholic beverage, that they would not be one in 13. Other statistics that were released, of course, and have been released on the subject of alcohol and uh, addiction. This is, uh, for example, I have in front of me uh, statistics released by the Greater Dallas Council on Alcohol and Drug Abuse, and I could take statistics from literally hundreds of different agencies, but I have this one from the Greater Dallas Council on alcohol and drug abuse and I'm quoting from this release. It says every year more money is spent promoting the use of alcohol than any other product. Perhaps through its elaborate and creative marketing the most basic yet important fact about alcohol is often overlooked. That alcohol is a drug the most commonly used and widely abused psychoactive drug in the world. Now, one concept that many people find difficult to accept is that alcohol, uh, alcoholism and alcohol problems are a disease. Research has shown that alcohol interacts with the body's systems in predictable ways to lead to physiological addiction. Alcohol is... disease this publication goes on to say that it is a chronic disease a progressive disease a fatal disease if not Treated now other statistics that have been released of course indicate to us that if an individual uh, Consumes an alcoholic beverage before the age of 15 that is any individual consumes an alcoholic beverage before the age of 15, that there is a 40% likelihood that that same person will become alcohol dependent at some time during their life. The publication also goes on to, say to uh, tell us that uh, mothers who drink alcohol during pregnancy may give birth to infants with fetal alcohol syndrome. These infants may suffer from mental retardation and other irreversible physical abnormalities. In addition, research indicates that children of alcoholic parents are at a greater risk than other children of becoming alcoholics. There are other statistics, and I'll just list uh, a few, uh, name a, uh, read a few of those that are listed in front of me. More than 100,000 US. deaths are caused by excessive alcohol consumption each year. Direct and indirect causes of death include drunk driving, cirrhosis of the liver, falls, cancer, and stroke. Youth who drink alcohol are 50 times more likely to use cocaine than those who never drink alcohol. Another Statistic is more than 18 percent of Americans experience alcohol abuse or alcohol dependence at some time in their lives Traffic crashes are the greatest single cause of death for persons aged 6 to 33 about 45 percent of these fatalities are in alcohol related crashes Listen to this one underage drinking costs the united states more than 58 billion that's with a b billion dollars every year that's enough money to buy every public school student a state of the art computer and then listen to this one that alcohol is the most commonly used drug among young people it's not cocaine not marijuana it's not some other drug lsd it's alcohol alcohol is the most commonly used drug among young people alcohol kills six and one half times more youth than all other illicit drugs combined that's six and a half times more than all other illicit drugs combined Now, concerning the past 30 days just think of the past 30 days 50 percent of high school seniors report drinking with 32 percent report being drunk at least once Now when you begin to think and discuss the subject of uh, the concept of drinking uh, alcoholic beverages in moderation, remember that you are setting an example that others will follow. Um, None of us lives to himself. Each of us is setting an example. Each of us is by our life and by our words and by our deeds, by our actions, we are saying to others. Come this way, take the way that I am taking, and others will take the way that we are taking. And it is entirely possible, even probable, that you may be one of the majority of people who may be able to drink your bottle of beer or your glass of wine with your meal, and you may be may be able to do this in moderation. Uh, but those who would tend to follow your example, you and I must remember that one out of every approximately one out of every 13 individuals who follows your example and does exactly what you are doing will be unable to do this in moderation and it will not be because of a personal failure on their part it will not be because they are lacking in character it will be because addiction is working in their body or psyche in such a way as to enslave them and make them one of those individuals who is enslaved and addicted to alcohol. Love says to the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, love constrains the believer to say to the weaker brother, come this way and you will be safe. Now if you could imagine yourself um, going on a, a journey that would be rather a perilous journey and you have a destination in mind and when you come in your journey to a certain place you find yourself for example and there is a sheer rock cliff in front of you you could go around and avoid this uh, rather dangerous climb but you also realize that if you are to take this climb you might save yourself a considerable amount of time arrive at your destination more quickly and so you decide that you can make this climb safely you have the ability to do this and so you make the climb and you do it safely and you arrive at your destination more quickly but when you make the climb whether you intend to do this or not you are leaving pointers along the way to others saying to others take this way take the way that I am taking and remembering that um, some of those individuals who will follow the way that you, ta- that, that you chose to take, and they will also climb the rather dangerous cliff and rock face, but it may be that one out of every 13 or 15 of them will be unable to make that climb safely and will fall to their death. Or you may find yourself on your journey Coming to a body of water and you realize that you could take the rather long route around this body of water, but you say to yourself, I'm a good swimmer. I think I can swim across this body of water and get to my destination more quickly and I can do this safely and you may well swim across that body of water safely. But what about those who will follow your example and when they attempt to swim across the water, they will be unable to get to the other side. And will drown part way during their swim. None of us lives to himself. We all are setting an example for others to follow. We are literally saying to those who would come after us, Come the way that I take. And love compels us, the love of Christ compels and constrains us to take away uh, with the full knowledge that what we do and what we say is going to influence others who will follow and it is to take the safest route possible we should actually say to our brother come this way and you will be safe now the third part of this and the final part of this is the part involving the burger the excellent burger a few days earlier my wife and daughter had gone to a local restaurant for lunch and my wife said that she would bring me back something, and she d- she did. She brought me back a burger, and I must say to you that this was uh, probably one of the finest hamburgers I've ever eaten in my entire life. And I must be g- be very careful to say that it's one of the finest burgers that I've ever received from a restaurant uh, in my entire life. It was an excellent burger. I would drive uh, I would drive several miles to. Uh, to to eat a burger like that and uh, so it was such a, a marvelous uh, burger that it reminded me of course of some of the uh, uh, burgers that we used to eat at the sportsman restaurant years ago it was just uh, it was just very similar in taste to that excellent this was uh, as she brought it home and she told me that she got the burger from Mum's uh, restaurant new restaurant uh, new under new establishment and under new ownership here on St. Joseph Island and it had uh, become uh, apparent to me that in this uh, restaurant the decision had been made recently to um, receive a license to sell beer and wine uh, with food at the restaurant this was a subject that was of considerable discussion now I want to uh, provide some thought and some opinion on this whole entire subject and that is the use or the serving of beer and wine uh, with food at the restaurant called Mums on St. Joseph Island this is the decision of course that is made by the owners and uh, it is of no uh, business of mine in a technical or legal sense or business sense but in a spiritual sense uh... it uh, affects all of us and of course we have an obligation to and i have a personal obligation to comment on this since the owners of the establishment are uh, Uh, apparently Christian people who work with uh, Christian youth, young people here on St. Joseph Island. And so this, therefore, uh, becomes an issue that must be addressed. First thing I would say is that uh, when we begin to ask ourselves the question, what is our number one responsibility as a Christian? What is number one? And we inescapably then come back to the number one a calling in each in the life of every believer is evangelism we are called to evangelize we are called to make disciples of the lord jesus christ we are called to proclaim the gospel and therefore everything that we do whether it would be done uh, as a business or whether it would be done just in our personal lives everything that we do in word or deed must be consistent with that calling the calling of evangelism And nothing in our personal lives and nothing in our business lives can be justified if it is inconsistent with the great calling to evangelize and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would suggest that the decision to serve beer and wine in a restaurant with food in a restaurant that is operated by believers and uh, those who say that they are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially those who work with uh, Christians, who work with youth and young people, uh, have an obligation to make a very different decision from that. I believe that the, that the uh, wise choice is to say uh, we will not serve beer or wine with food or any alcoholic beverage in this uh, establishment now people who uh, people who come in who are unfamiliar with uh, with the restaurant people who come into the establishment of course will there are many of them who will expect to be served a bottle of beer if they order one or expect to be served a glass of wine if they should order one uh, most people in the society have become accustomed to being served beer or wine with their food in a restaurant and so the question as to why beer or wine would not be offered is going to be raised there's no question that the question will come up why not why do you not serve beer or wine in the in the restaurant why can I not order a bottle of beer with my meal why cannot I not order a glass of wine uh, with my meal and I would say that this question can be uh, anticipated and an answer uh, given I would even su- suggest the possibility of having a uh, a great answer printed and placed uh, in a prominent place on the table so that an individual with such a question may be able to read uh, an answer that is given for example um, I have in front of me a publication that is printed when printed out it uh, prints out into nine pages three columns on each page and it is single spaced and it is uh, a list of beverages uh, wonderful marvelous uh, healthy non-alcoholic beverages delicious beverages and I count all of these and we come to a total of 1269 beverages for example there is banana colada I'm just at random read some of these there is autumn apple punch there is banana strawberry frappe there is French vanilla instant coffee mix there the list goes on and on there are 1269 another list I have in front of me describes wonderful summertime non alcoholic drinks Right at the top is almond iced coffee, followed by banana and orange smoothie. There is a fruit spritzer. There is peach, orange, and ginger fizz. There is orange mist. The point that I'm attempting to make is that when it comes to beverages with food, uh, the list is virtually unlimited. Excellent, marvelous, uh, wonderful uh, uh, tasting uh, beverages that may be served with uh, with food. Most people in coming to a restaurant uh, do not come for the beverages. Most people come to a restaurant for the food. My suggestion is that uh, there is a a need for the food to be excellent and if judging by the burger that my wife brought home to me there's no question that the food is is excellent and superior. The food should be excellent uh, superior in every way and the choice of beverages that may be made available for people to have with their meal is almost unlimited. This would of course uh, be a great and wonderful example not only for the employees but also for all those customers who would come into the restaurant either expecting to be served beer or wine or not expecting to be served beer or wine. This is an opportunity. This is not a negative. This is not something that should be viewed as we will lose customers if we do not make these products available. We have people coming in asking for these products and when we say they're not available, those people will get up and leave. This uh, can be viewed in a negative way or it can be viewed as an opportunity. And My suggestion is that it is an opportunity it should be viewed as an opportunity it's an opportunity for a Christian witness and a Christian example it's an opportunity to set an example for those young people who have become employees and who are working in that restaurant it's an opportunity to say we can be successful we can set an example out in the larger society we can serve excellent food and excellent beverages with the food but we're not required to sell uh, alcoholic beverages and we choose not to sell ex- uh, alco- alcoholic beverages we're very respectful of all the people who come in without regard to their personal choices but our choice is not to sell alcoholic beverages in our establishment uh, the vast majority of people when this is presented to them in a very respectful intelligent and uh, way are able to accept that those few who are not able to accept that, of course, uh, would be better dining somewhere else. Uh, in any event, and so uh, it brings us uh, this morning. Uh, it brings me to the conclusion of the and a synopsis of the comments made. It's impossible to recapture the service exactly as it was presented. In any event, this is a synopsis and will serve to introduce you to the uh, teaching message that came on June the 11th, seven days later. May the Lord bless you as you contemplate these thoughts.